0: Uh, tonight, what I want to do is is I want to catch us up really quickly and just say, hey, this is where we've been. I might share a few personal things, but I want you to know that tonight, as I share with you, that uh, there's one thing that I want you to be sure of, and that I'm not the hero in the story. Really. I want you to know that I'm a human in process, uh, that... I am as much like you than you could probably ever imagine. That maybe my title is pastor, but my number one title is child of God. And there's something important about that reality that we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But week one, I love Pastor Jeff. He talked to us about the promise of prophecy. And he, he talked about Isaiah the prophet. And in week number two, we talked about the power of availability rather than ability. And we talked about Mary, this this young virgin. In week three, the game changer, Elizabeth entered the picture. And Pastor Julie, you know, challenged and saying like, we need that game changer in our life, but we also need to be game changers. And then last week, the narrative affects your d- decisions that when you understand a narrative, it's important that you understand the right narrative because it's going to impact your decisions. And we talked about Joseph, the protector of this promise. And to this point in the story of 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 Jesus' birth, what we've seen is um, Isaiah has made room as a prophet for Jesus to come forth. He speaks. He literally far before Jesus is even born. Isaiah made room and he spoke Jesus into existence. The very thing, these prophecies of the person that we're tonight celebrating the birth of and Mary made room. This young girl, she had to make room. She had to say, I'm available. I'm not able, but I'm available. And Elizabeth made room and Joseph had to make room for Mary and for a narrative that was so countercultural. And ultimately, what this led me to was tonight, my message is about making room. And it's making room for Jesus. And when we make room for Jesus, it makes room for what matters most the magnificence of the manger and a way for you. I'm going to read this. It's in this uh, Luke two six and seven. This is very quick. This is the part of the story, and I thought the team has done an amazing job giving us historical account of what's gone on in this time. Oftentimes, what we do is, is we we celebrate Jesus and like the nativity scene, and we're like, oh yeah. And the, but what we see, what we portray, sometimes misses and loses the context of what was happening. And so what our goal has been, and I think there's it, it, been an amazing job done, is bringing the reality to you and I so we fully understand what was taking place in the story. And at this point, you know, Mary and Joseph have traveled to take this census in Bethlehem. And Haley did an amazing job last week talking about Bethlehem and Bethlehem. Um, you know it's the house of bread, and, and then Jesus is born, He's the bread of life. And, and Bethlehem was seemingly this meaningless place, and I think it speaks on so many levels. And we get to verse six here, and this is what it says. It says, "While they were there that's Mary and Joseph, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth." And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes. That, that's interesting. When, if you break that scripture down, it's she wraps him in torn pieces of cloth. It's almost symbolic of how he would be wrapped when he's laid in the grave. And she wrapped him in clothes, and she laid him in a manger, And we're familiar with this scene, baby Jesus in the manger, right? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Can you just do me a favor and could you just turn to the person next to you? You may not even know them. Just say, Merry Christmas, I don't know. If you don't know, Merry Christmas, I don't know you. Say, there was no room. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. There was no room for Jesus, but there was no room for them. Okay? You know what this tells me? This is personal. There's no room sometimes. You and I feel like in life, there's no room. Tonight, my message is called Making Room When Life is Crowded. My life has been kind of crowded the last eight weeks. You know what I'm saying? New things enter in, interruptions take place, things get disturbed. You had plans and those plans aren't going the way that you thought. You know, you were going to stay at a family member's house and then you remembered how irritating they were and you decided you were just going to stay at a hotel. Can someone say amen, low key, if they okay. All right, I'm going to preach now, okay. Even if I only got one leg, I could preach on one leg. You see, what I know for sure in life is that life is crowded. We've got decisions. We've got things to get done. We have pressing matters. We have our own ideas. We have our strategies. We have our own dreams. And can I tell you something? I'm human just like you. Eight weeks ago, my life was interrupted because I had things in my head that I thought things that I had said, you know, when I get back from racing in Utah, I'm going to take care of this. And life got crowded. And what I know for sure is that, again, I want, you, I want you to understand this. I'm not the hero of the story. When I say this, don't applaud me for this. But I can tell you that when I woke up, one of the first thoughts that I had it was in the ICU was nothing that I thought that mattered in life actually matters. Now I'm still working through that. Can someone relate? How many of you are working through some things here tonight? How many of you right now are like, tomorrow I'm gonna have to work through a few things because I'm gonna see that family member That gets on my last nerve. Okay. And if you don't have that family member, could I just politely tell you that you are that family member? We have a prayer team just for you here tonight. So your family can have more than one nerve with you. Amen. See, making room for Jesus makes room for what matters most. That's what I'm left with right now. I keep thinking about that. And in fact, it says, because there was no room for them in the inn. An inn, you know, we think uh, like a hotel. There was no room for them in the hotel. Like the hotel keeper. This gets portrayed as like the hotel keeper is like, sorry, no vacancy. But if we remember back, Haley was talking last week, there's, there's maybe between three and 600 people that, that, that live in Bethlehem. Th- this town would have become overwhelmed with a population of people that came from that lineage of David because they were traveling there for the census. So everything was packed. So an inn is more like a guest room. So contextually, what would happen is, is when someone comes into town that's in your family, you had a room that you would always have available that 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 family member could stay with you. Some of you were like, good God, please no. There, there, There wasn't such a thing as a hotel. This was a guest room for family members to stay in when they were traveling, and sometimes... That guest room was known as the upper room. Remember that there was a lot going on. It was crowded in Bethlehem. Everyone had made room for the census. But the real question is, were they making room for the Savior? The question becomes, we often make room for social accommodations with limited to zero accommodation made for Jesus in our life. I love this, Psalm 4610. This is the message translation. I, I, I'm gonna read a bit out of the message translation tonight because it's just is very plain. It says, attention all, See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth, bans war from pole to pole, breaks all the weapons across his knee. And then wait, listen to this step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. There are lots of things that matter in life, but I want you to know tonight, there's nothing that matters more than making room for Jesus Christ. I love the language, step out of the traffic. You know, our favorite thing to say is we're, it's a busy, how many of you are busy this time of the year? I sent someone a text the other day and, I, and, and I, I, was just, I was just saying like, hey, it'd be nice to talk to you. And they're like, it's kind of hectic right now. And I was like, apparently, I should have been more clear. And some of us like, it's hectic, it's crazy, it's busy. Step out of the traffic. Here's my tip to make room for what matters most. It's quiet your heart. In a crowded world. Can I tell you that's the journey that I'm on right now? How, do, how can I quiet my heart in a crowded world? Lots of things going on. Some of those things are great. And some of those things are Tough. And number two, making room for Jesus makes room for mag- the magnificence of the manger. It says that Mary laid him in a manger. You know, she didn't like half lay him in a manger. She didn't put his head in a manger and hold his feet because she was worried about. Let, let, let me describe for you what a manger was. See, in this setting, Mary and Joseph were probably in like a downstairs or a common room that people just kind of came and went and animals would have been put in that room at night to keep the animals safe. That's why a manger was present. And a manger was simply an animal's feeding trough, not clean. I'm thinking, my wife and I have had seven kids. I'm thinking, I'm not laying my baby in a manger, like... Maybe a part of the baby. like, But not the whole presence of my child. But this is Jesus Christ that Mary knows who she's holding. And she puts his entire presence in the manger. Here's what I know though. When Mary was done laying Jesus in the manger, the animals returns to using it as an eating trough. Only Jesus' presence can make a manger magnificent. You know, we all have manger spaces in our lives. What's your manger? I want to tell you tonight that the full presence of Jesus Christ being in that space completely changes it. That there's moments in our lives, again, I'm human just like you. There's moments where I'm like, God, this is a really messy manger of my life. And God's like, would you just make room for me to bring out the magnificence of the manger that you call a mess? Can someone relate? It's the mangers, the unexpected things, the interruptions, the disappointments, the inconveniences. But here's what I know. The mangers in our lives as humans that Jesus Christ wants to fill with his entire presence are pregnant with opportunity for Jesus to fill them and to change them. That to everyone else, they saw a wooden trough that animals fed in and to Mary, she saw a place that her baby son, the savior of the world could be laid and it changed forever the way that you and I think about a manger. We think about a manger, we're like, oh, a manger, you know, that thing in the nativity scene. You and I don't think about a dirty eating trough anymore. Why? You? It changed the perspective of that messy place. God wants to change the perspective Of your messy places. He wants to change the perspective. That you see your mangers by. But not only you. He wants to change the perspective. That other people want to look at him. (laughs) By being laid in a manger. Jesus Was literally declared to the entire world. Mary declared to the entire world when she left her little baby, her little son, the son of God, Jesus in this manger. She declared him the king of the poor, king of the hopeless, king of the anxiety ridden, king of the broken. And gives you and I the ability that we know that wherever we make room, we're giving Jesus an opportunity to birth hope, joy, and peace in our lives. I love this in John 1.14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This is the message translation. I love the fact that Jesus moved into my neighborhood. You're like, you don't understand. The neighborhood that I grew up in, like, No. Kings didn't move into that neighborhood. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you, Jesus, he moves into the neighborhood. This is what it means. He takes up residence. The things that need to be restored in the world, Jesus decided to make himself human. Human. And take up residence in human form to restore and to reconcile. All of the things that you and I would ever deal with. All the strife, trials, temptations, struggles, pains. The accidents in the middle of Utah. Come on. When a situation looks dim, there is the power of God's word. It says, when the word became flesh and blood. You know who that is? Jesus. He moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Generous inside and out. I love this. True. From start to finish. For some of you, God has started something in your life. And I want to encourage you To not shut the door and allow Jesus' room in your life to take up residence. Because what he has started, he will surely finish. That's my hope. Well, God, forgive me for this language. But I'm not dead, so I'm not done. Right? There was a start. You must not be finished. So, when the situation looks dim, there's the power of God's word, Jesus, moving into the neighborhood that makes it what? Magnificent. This is magnificent. I am so thankful for what God has given me. This is magnificent. Here's my tip make room for His word as the word you're going to get lots of words lots of noise in your life and what I'm telling you is make room for his word as the word in seemingly messy rooms in your life and lastly making room for Jesus makes room for the way for you Here's what I know in life. John 14 in the message again says, uh, don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you? <laughs> Do you know how to find out if you trust God? You got to get yourself into something or find yourself somewhere. Can, I, can someone tell me amen? amen? Right, you don't know if you have that trust until it's tested. You're like, God, why are you testing me? He's like, you got to trust me. (laughs) And your trust is actually proven in the test, isn't it? Okay. Don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. I love this. There is plenty of room for you in my father's house. And if that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and I'll get you so that you can live where I live. And you already know the road that I'm taking. Jesus prepares a place and the world carves out corners. Let me say this again. Jesus has prepared a place for you and I. And the best that I have found the world will do is carve out a corner. Making room is more than carrying out a corner. It's allowing Jesus to take up residence in my life and in your life. In Revelation 3.20, says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in. And we're going to share a meal together as friends. And those who are victorious, can you say victorious? How many of you want to be victorious? How many of you woke up this morning and said, I aim to lose today? Okay, good. Let me ask the question again. How many of you aim to be victorious? Okay, amen. Going to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Jesus is asking you to make room for him so that he can make way for your benefit, not his The story of Jesus, this wasn't for his benefit. What we're celebrating here tonight was for your benefit. Why? It makes way for you. Why? He's prepared a place for you. And he's standing at the door and he's knocking right now. And the victory is in making room for Jesus because he's already made way for you. And I've learned in life that we often make room for ourselves to make way for ourselves. Let me say this again. We often will make room for ourselves so that we can make way for ourselves. We work really hard at making our own way. And what happens is, is when Jesus knocks, we just feel like we're too busy and life is too crowded to open the door. I love this response. I'm going to end with this. Ephesians 3 says, My response, (laughs) I love Paul. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Paul says, reach out and experience the breadth, test the length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights. And then he says this, live full lives. This is crazy. He says, full in the fullness of God. You know what that tells me? I can live a full life, but it's not in the fullness of God. I can live a full life and it's not in the fullness that God has created for you and for me to live in. I would encourage you tonight to make room for the fullness of life that God gives. Rather than keeping a heart full of clutter. God tonight is urging us to make space and make room for him. Because from the beginning, there was no room for them in the end. But tonight, the encouragement is make room. It matters most. It shows the magnificence of the manger. And it also helps us to understand that he has made a way for you. He's made a way for me. Let's close our eyes for a second. I just want to pray. I have this question. What are you missing by not making room for Jesus? My, my suspicion is that there are things in life that you're not experiencing the fullness of. And I know that in my life, I'm in that process where I was like, man, yeah, like God, I'm experiencing the, and wouldn't you know it? I'm human, and God is working on my heart, and he's like, no, I want you to make room. What is it that you're missing? Are you missing hope? This season tonight, Are you missing the joy? Are you missing the peace? And ultimately, the answer is, make room for Jesus. It matters most. He can make those mangers magnificent. And he's made a way for you. So Lord, I just pray tonight As we celebrate your birth, we would also take a moment to recalibrate if we've made room for you. My estimation, God, is that there's always more room than we can make, that we've never arrived. And so speak to us. Speak to us tonight, tomorrow, this week as we ask this question. Am I making room? Do I need to make more room? God, what are you asking me? We thank you for your son in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you need, I I, want to be sure of this. I know this is Christmas Eve. Pastor Julie's coming up here. She's going to join me. She has something special um, that we're going to do really quickly. It's going to be fun. Um, But I want you guys to know and be sure that if you need prayer, if you need something, tonight's the best night. Like better than any time. Because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And maybe tonight there's something that, you're feeling in your heart that God wants to, He actually wants to do something for you and in your heart that um that tonight just takes a moment for you to come get prayer. So don't hesitate, get in prayer. But this is Pastor Jay. Everyone say hi, Pastor Julie. Hi. I
1: kinda like being up here with you. This is kind of fun. It's yeah, not a tag team. I'm glad you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I joked with Pat. I said, I think when you had that accident that you probably went to heaven, and Jesus said, if you don't go back, she will be so mad. <laughs> I mean, we've been friends for 20 years, yeah. and I am so glad that you're not done.
0: Me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like, didn't remember the day, uh, the day after his accident, and we were on the phone, or maybe it was the second day, and I was like okay he's telling me about the you know the body thing parts that you decide, that broke right and I'm like okay your your body might be broken but your spirit is not <laughs> and that's the thing that's the thing and I love it what a great word thank you so much Pat you can give me a thank you so much we're loving this new season So, hey, what I'd I'd love to do right now is, because many of you, you know, as we were talking about Christmas Eve, and especially over the last nine weeks, there has been a a literal army of people and staff that have just made it all happen. You know, they rallied the troops. They got it together. They communicated with their people. And they've been amazing. And sometimes you don't get to see their faces. And so I just want to ask them all to come up. And so we're going to have our staff come up. And then also the family members of their staff. So like my husband, Mike, um, who sometimes they're the silent heroes of that story. So I'm just gonna have all the staff come up, family, Pastor Jeff, where are you? Come on. And their significant others. And I just want you to look at the faces of the people who love you. And they're amazing. They're an amazing team, I say all the time. I just refuse to believe that I do not have the best staff on the planet. And we both agree on that. They're incredible and there's so much love here. So look at their beautiful faces. It's so great. And Kei is gonna, I asked Kay Howe if we could all just finish with a Christmas song. I wanted Feliz that but we're gonna do something else. And so it's my favorite Christmas song.
0: So. Don't encourage her with that. Just. Right. FYI.
1: That would be great. So how. and if you guys would stand and we just want to sing a Christmas song together as we head out.
0: see you guys next Sunday.